Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. You're listening to the NYK Exchange podcast presented by NYKinformation.com. I am your host, Sean Aquino. I'll be joined in just a minute by my buddy, Chris Delgado. So follow me on Twitter, at SAquino34. Follow Chris at D-E-L-B-L-O-G-O. And, of course, follow NYK Information on Twitter, at NYK Information. Now, NYKinformation.com is definitely a website for the fans. We essentially have over 20 different writers who contribute to the site on a daily basis. If you go to the site, nykinformation.com, you'll find most recent articles on Steve Mills, an analysis on uh, what kind of a true player and what kind of a competitor Derek Rose is. Terrific article there by um, Dito Green. Then you get the most up-to-date information. And what I like the most about nykinformation.com is because it's, not only the articles, but also you'll see not only up-to-date information also, but a bunch of terrific YouTube clips. We really get down and, and analyze the players, analyze the system, analyze the coaches, and the information is consistent. So uh, it's all about information from an unbiased perspective. Some might say from an optimistic perspective, but we tend to think it's it's, it's the It's all about getting the true, true information out there that non-cynical information, just the facts. So nykinformation.com is the site that, you know, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for nykinformation.com and the terrific work of uh, Leon Jacobson, uh, Jacobson, and, you know, the site just keeps keeping it refreshed. And like I said, over 20 writers. I mean, we have uh, Jim Matthew, Richard Burden, Jake Pegg, George Ordonez, Maximilian, Gian Solomon, uh, Tucker Carden, David Lee, Ron Cromarty, Cassandra Clare, Jeff Aspera, Dylan Klein, Jeremy Soto, amongst others. Um, so big thank you to all the writers that contribute to nykinformation.com and to Leon for putting this all together. So with that, um, you know, we're going to just essentially sit back, talk about the the Knicks and talk about the moves that the Knicks have made over the past seven days. We last spoke on June 30th, and when we spoke, we were just talking about the Derrick Rose trade. And from the Rose trade, we then segued to talking a little bit about the possibility of Joakim Noah joining the New York Knicks. And on the 30th, it was just a thought that that was a possibility that Joakim Noah would come to the New York Knicks. We didn't know what type of deal Joakim Noah would become in the Knicks and what that would mean for the rest of the roster because evidently, the Knicks not only had a, a, a hole at the center position after the Derrick Rose trade, but also a hole at the shooting guard spot after Aaron Afalo obviously opted out of his um, contract. Aaron Afalo ended up signing on with the Sacramento Kings on a two-year deal at $12.5 million a year with a player option after year one. So Aaron Afalo ended up getting a raise of about $4.5 million. We'll talk a little bit more about Afalo later because our new shooting guard is actually making less per year than Aaron Afalo, and for me, he is, uh, you know, he is the the player that is going to truly bring the defensive intensity, and he's a consistent three-point shooter. So we'll talk more about about Afalo's uh, replacement later on in Courtney Lee. So Chris will be joining me in just a second. And so that's where we left. June 30th, we really didn't know what the Knicks were going to do with their $31 million in cap space. And I, 
I'm going to sit back and say that I at first was um, blown away by the way that Phil Jackson jumped on these moves. Um, it was with a quickness. It was with a, a focus on, I think, most of the gaping holes that we have on this team, which is culture, uh, defense, and, um, and you know, a, trying to find guys that truly wanted to be here. And I think that the job that Phil Jackson did this summer pretty much uh, met all of that criteria. So to talk some more about it, I'm going to bring in the one and the only, my co-host, uh, Chris Delgado. Chris, how you doing? Good, Sean. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. hear you very well. That that deep, soothing voice is booming through my headphones. <laughs> Thank you. Like, Thank you so much. Night mix with Sean <laughs> Yeah, it's good because our voices are a little different, just a little different, but uh, it's good. It sounds really good, Chris. Thanks so much, man. This is exciting. This is no an problem, exciting problem. time, an exciting time to be a Knicks fan, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, there have, we haven't had many winning seasons over the past 15 years, and it looks like there could be one on the horizon. I would, I would bet the uh, safe money that there that there is. Um, hopefully, I mean. But that being said, um, you know, it's it's how could you not be excited over the moves? Um, you know, even I think. I think even for people who didn't like a move or two, there is a move in this and there are about five or six moves and we'll talk about them throughout the show. But I'm sure, I think there's at least one to two moves in this that the Knicks made that, you know, that people like, and I don't think everybody, I haven't seen anybody say they hate it across the board. Right. Yeah. And it also has somewhat, the moves that Phil made also have an eye for the future in the sense of the flexibility the Knicks are still going to have about $28 million in cap space next summer if they do not re-sign Derrick Rose to use for either keeping Derrick Rose into the fold for the foreseeable future or signing another point guard on the market. Um, they actually have close to $30 million. And, um, and of course, they also picked up some players that can still grow within the organization um, when, and with some of the Euro players they picked up, and even Brandon Jennings, who, you know, is just on one, on one year deal. So, Let's get. Let's start off with the. You know, we talked a little bit in the last podcast about the Derrick Rose trade. So, with that trade, we have a starting point guard now. A point guard the Knicks have lacked for for years. And uh, of course, yeah, you know, he's got his injury history. But at the end of the day, this is the most talented point guard the Knicks have had since Mark Jackson, probably. Um, and now, you know, the Knicks need to find someone to solidify the center position because KP eventually will be a center. But you know what? He's still young, still a little undersized. He could continue to be at the power forward spot, and that's obviously what Phil Jackson and company thought when Joe King Noah became available. So let's talk about that. What were your thoughts when it became final, when it became evident, Joe King Noah, you know, sent out the picture of him and the Knicks hat on his Instagram account? What were your thoughts when you saw that? Uh, I was excited. I mean, I'm somebody who, I'm somebody who used to really dislike Joe King because um, he's one of those guys that you kind of can't stand when he's not on your team. But when he's mm-hmm. on your team, you know, he's really easy to uh, to root for. Um, first and foremost, you have to like it, him being a New York a New York guy. Um, and this goes back to what you were saying at the top of the show, and something I was actually going to bring up as well as how many times over the past three years have when Phil Jackson's been asked, have you heard him talk about bringing players here who want to be here, who understand what it is to be here, um, you know, and can handle the situation, uh, you know, or living and playing in New York. So, um, and I would think, you know, 
with the guys he brought in, he's he's done a great job of of that. You know, we're not seeing a disconnect now three years, despite what the newspapers have been trying to tell you for the last three years. We're not seeing a disconnect between what Phil Jackson said he was going to do and what he's actually doing. Um, you know, people mm-hmm. want to debate the rebuild. It's whatever, but I'm very excited for Joakim Noah. Um, he had people get look at they say, oh, you know, he played 29 games last year. He had shoulder surgery. Um, you know, his shoulder popped out twice. Um, you know, it's I'm not a doctor, but you know, I've had friends who are a lot less athletic than Joakim Noah make it back from the same surgery. So I'm pretty confident he's all right. Um, right. Uh, but that being said, he, he brings a dynamic that Robin Lopez did not bring you. Um, and like I said, Robin Lopez played admirably, but he's not going to uh, be able to run out in the break with you. He's not going to, uh, you know, be able to distribute from the, from the top of the key. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that Hornacek is going to be able to do with Joe Keane. That being said, he's not, you know, He's going to wow you in his office. I think we all know Joe King's game. He's, you know, he can hit a jump shot. Do you want us to watch him shoot jump shots all day? Not. But if they leave him open, he's going to take the shot. But most importantly, and why I was most excited for Joaquin Noah, is because of what he's going to bring to the locker room and what he's going to do for the defense on the court. You know, this is a guy who's just not going to accept guys being cool with losing because he's yeah. not cool with losing. And when you, co- right. you combine that with – Derek Rose, um, who said, you know, who says he just wants to win, and we all know how bad Melo wants to win, and we know KP's, a, KP's, you know, got the fight in him. You know, Courtney Lee's, he's been around. I'm sure he want, he, I'm sure he wants to win to a degree as well. Um, you know, you Brandon Jennings come in here on a one year deal to prove himself, quote unquote. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it. What I two things that excite me most is chemistry and fit when it comes to Joaquin Noah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I'm sure a lot of you guys, hardcore fans, read the Alex Kennedy interview with Courtney Lee on BasketballInsiders.com earlier. This quote stood out to me. And uh, Alex asked Courtney Lee, did any of the players on the Knicks recruit you as you were weighing your options? She responded, before free agency, I was talking with Noah and it's great seeing how passionate he is. This offseason, he's getting out of breath just being on the phone, like he's running sprints. But it's because he's talking about the city, talking about the fans, talking about the team, and talking about everything we can accomplish together. He's excited, and he was recruiting me pretty much the entire time, telling me that I was a missing piece and whatnot. He kept telling me, let's get it done. Noah was in my ear a lot. So that's, that's leadership right there. And you, and you have to love it. Um, you know, and I kind of like this whole Knicks pay it forward thing where, you know, Derek Rose recruited Joe Keane, Joe Keane recruited Courtney Lee, um, mm-hmm. you know, so, that, you know, get a collection of guys who, who want to be here. Um, you know, cause I think that's, I think that's really uh, important. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, and, you know, I'm, like I said, uh, uh, the health concerns are, talk to me about, you know, bring it up when he gets injured. I guess until then, it's just a, it's just a moot point because we don't know, you know? Well, I mean, I think that you, you could see that Kylo Quinn, you know, I think he had a rough year last year, but he's still a young player. He could contribute 15 minutes in the backup role. But what I think is going to well, be really interesting will be, him. yeah, we're shopping him. I'm sure it's got to be for another big, I mean, who knows how much Ernan Gomez can contribute, but I think that we're going to see a lot of poor Zingas, Splitting time at the center position with Noah, I could see them starting the, team, the game together, and then Noah 
sitting down maybe after, you know, maybe six, the six-minute mark, and then KP and Carmelo kind of going to the, for the next four minutes with Carmelo at the four, Lance Thomas at the three, and Porzingis at the five. Um, I, I could see a lot of that happening to kind of just get KP acclimated. I mean, he already played, I think, 30% of his minutes last year at the five, so could only imagine with his strength improving, he might see a little bit more. So that way you don't, you know, have low, no low pain, you know, playing the Thibodeau-type minutes 35 minutes a game. If he could play the number of minutes that Robin Lopez played last year, somewhere between 25 and 30, then I think you have a good chance of keeping Noah healthy. Like you said, it was a fluke shoulder injury that required surgery last year. It really wasn't anything to do with him having to rest his knees, which he had, you know, a surgery on a couple of seasons back. So, um, and he's still, and yet he's still in the limited time that he played last year, still averaged, I think, about nine and a half rebounds a game. And he was still known as yeah, a pretty solid defensive player. It's crazy. He had like, but he averaged about four points, five rebounds, and excuse me, four points, five assists, and nine rebounds in a year where he was most mostly hurt. Um, you know, I just don't understand. I, I know we live in a different time now, but I just don't understand. When did thirty, Sean? When did thirty-one years old become washed? Like, like the way people talk that you know, thirty-one years old is so far from being washed. It's like you know, even a player who's thirty-three, thirty-four, you know. Um, guys mm-hmm. play, you know, you know guys, we've seen guys play into their, you know, to their forties or at least into their late thirties, um, and, and be effective and productive. So it's just funny to me that, you know, people are writing off people at 31 years old or in the case of Derrick Rose yeah. at 27, 28. Yeah. And, and that, right. And you have with the Derrick Rose move, of course, it's something to be concerned about, but it's not a long-term commitment to Rose. And with Noah, I think what he brings is, as long as he's fairly productive in the first two years, and he could serve as a mentor to Porzingis at the five, moving to the backup role in year three and four, and and is healthy and providing 20 minutes a game, I don't care about paying him a lot of money because of what you said. He truly, you know, he grew up as a Knicks fan. He wrote a letter to the Bulls and to the fans of Chicago a couple hours ago that stated, going back home to the team that I used to root for as a kid. So, Growing up in New York, playing and watching the Knicks, you know that this fan base is star for a championship. So that level of leadership brings on, you know, it will remind me of the way that Rasheed Wallace and Kenyon Martin had an effect on this Knicks team three years ago in terms of guys that have been there and guys that have a certain sense of belief. I mean, there's no way the Knicks are going to find themselves in a game against the Cleveland Cavaliers next year when they are just going to lay down and let it, let it be. You know, that's just not going to happen anymore. And that's I don't mind paying four years for that. I, I know on paper, you know, with the analytics, and I know the salaries and all that, but there's a certain amount that you pay, in my view, for, for leadership and for uh, being able to mentor a big like Porzingis. Absolutely. I mean, if nothing else, I mean, you can't put a price. In the last part of what you said, you just can't put a price on that because that's one thing. And I don't know if, you, if it was you and I talking about it previously, but, you know, and Phil mentioned this, you know, basically KP is going to learn how to be a vocal defensive leader on the court next to Noah. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. that's basically what, you know, if you listen to Thibodeau and other coaches talk about Noah, he, he's very much a defensive coordinator out there and, you know, always talking, making sure guys are where they're supposed to be, letting them know when they're not where they were supposed to be. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you, you know, and then I think there's a lot of sticker shock when people, because it was one of the early, it was one of the first contracts we heard about, not just Knicks, but in general of, of this free agency. So I think there was a lot of sticker shock for people at the time. They're like, how much and for who? But 
But since then, right. we've seen a lot of other contracts come out. Now people are, you know, people come in terms with it. Maybe you don't like the years, but like you said, you know, there's, um, you know, I don't know if I don't know how many better fits there are for what the Knicks um, want to do. And I have a strong feeling, Sean, that a lot of the people who are criticizing or hating the Noah move right now are going to be up on the feet, up on their feet the first time he's diving on a four ball at Madison Square Garden or, or doing oh. something that, that just gets the crowd, you know, some, some type of effort play. Absolutely. And I think there's another point that people are overlooking is that you have Fred Hoiberg who came with an entirely new style of offense that essentially forced Noah to the bench for Paul Gasol who was more of an offensive player, but a, you know, a major negative defensively. And Noah, you know, always been, has been the heart of the team. And I think it's a big reason why the Bulls didn't make the playoffs. I think somewhere Fred Hoiberg didn't do his job in terms of getting Noah to, to come aboard and be a leader for the coaching staff. I don't know what happened, but you have to be able to bring along your leaders from the prior administration in. And, and for some reason there was a disconnect between I, that. And he was obviously demotivated and showed. I had heard, I had read this recently, actually, that I don't say I heard it, um, but I read this recently that there might have been some, there was some internal locker room issues there um, with basically Jimmy Butler proclaiming that he was the leader of the team. And Joe King looked at him like kind of crazy, like, oh, really? Is that so? Like, yeah. um, Yeah. So, yeah. So, but also, you and we were talking earlier, one thing that's greatly going to affect Joe King's playing time, I think, is defense. And how the Knicks, how well the Knicks play it when he's not on the court, because if the Knicks mm-hmm. can sustain their defense without him being on the court, then he'll get more of a rest, and there'll be less minutes for him nightly. But you know, they might need him out there um, in situations where if they're not playing well defensively. And, and since we are nykinformation.com, and we want to talk about facts and we want to talk about analytics, two interesting numbers stick out to me. Offensively is where Noah struggled, but defensively he was still solid. If you have a defensive rating per 100 possessions of around 100, you're in the top. You're in the you're one of the top five or ten defensive players in the league. Joe Keen last year had a defensive rating of 101. The year before that, 102. The year before that, 96, 99, 96, 97, 101, 105. The defensive rating was up to par with what he's usually done, and that was in only 22 minutes of play. Not only that, if you look at his numbers per 36, it was the best rebounding and shot-blocking year of his career. Per 36 minutes, he averaged 14.5 rebounds and 1.6 blocks. And get this, 6.2 assists per 36 minutes, where he only had uh, he had 5.5 in the prior two years, and three years ago being that MVP season. So his per 36 numbers assist-wise – we're on par with fourth his, place MVP. His, you know, yeah. So, so there you go. So fourth place MVP. So my point is that he still did the little things. He still passed the ball. He still played defense. And therefore, if he does that for 25 to 30 minutes, the Knicks are going to become a better team overnight. I just, it's just like I said, I just can't mention fit enough. He just like, he, it is the perfect fit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. In, in so, in so many aspects. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, just like I, I you know, whether whether you know whether it's offensive and this you know whether it's offensively. If you want to talk about team the team deficiencies last year, defensive rebounding it was a problem. You know, Joakim is a better defensive rebounder than Robin Lopez, who's known more for his offensive rebounding. Um, you know, 
So the uh, I'm really excited about Joakim. And, but, you know, it's not just, you know, themes like Phil's moves were not just about making a splash or getting a name. It was all about parts that fit together. Because talking mm-hmm. now about Courtney Lee, you know, you know, a lot of people, you know, Dwayne Wade's name came up as a possibility for the Knicks. And I think we all got excited at, at the possibilities as much as we've, you know, battled with them over the years. But, mm-hmm. you know, a 3 and D guy like Courtney Lee, it kind of fits perfectly at the two guard when you have Derrick Rose, Carmelo Anthony, and a Porzingis that you want to get shots for. Right. I'm sorry, say that again? The last part? I missed it. Oh, I said Courtney Lee and Joakim Noah fit perfectly with a Derrick Rose and Mello who are going to get a bunch oh, of yeah. shots and Porzingis, you know, who you want to get uh, a amount of shots, a good amount of shots. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, these moves weren't necessarily, weren't just made, let's, let's pick out the biggest name. Was it these, it, it seemed like thought went into like these guys fitting together on the court. Well, another interesting part of the Courtney Lee interview is he says that at 12:01, the first team to call him was Phil Jackson. It wasn't the team; it was Phil Jackson calling Courtney Lee directly. So the Knicks knew going into July 1st what their where their holes were, and Phil Jackson was looking at something that fit. He knew he did not need a high a high possession guy, a high usage guy. He needed a guy that shot consistently above 35 percent, and that's Courtney Lee throughout his career, even in his rookie year, he shot 40 percent from three. And Courtney Lee is the guy that when Derrick Rose makes a drive, when Carmelo swings the ball around the perimeter, when Joe Miller is running the triangle and he finds someone with a cross-court pass, that's going to be consistently a knockdown shooter. Aaron Afalo had nights where he was 2 for 18. He had nights where he was 8 for 11. That inconsistency is something Chris Herring wrote about last year in the Wall Street Journal, and that's something that Courtney Lee is very, very good about. And the defensive side, well, the again, biggest. yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing was that Flalo stopped defending, too. Like, he, he, and he stopped he, defending. He, he let he the two, from, yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, um, and Courtney Lee doesn't care about that. Courtney Lee is focused on shutting down his man and hitting the open shots, making the extra passes. So he is another perfect fit. I, I absolutely agree. Um, and he's excited to be here. I, again, everyone needs to check out that article. It's, it's really exciting. I could read the whole thing on on this podcast, but I'm going to spare you the time, but I really want you to <laughs> check it out. But yeah, so, so Courtney Lee, okay, so, so you have that. No, go ahead. Oh, you have a thought? No, I was going to say, so now focus on the bench. Let's talk about Jennings real quick before we talk about the rest. Yeah. I think a lot of the Knicks, the Knicks have the possibility to roll out a lot of different looks and lineups, and we could talk, mm-hmm. I have my cheat sheet out here for a depth chart. We could talk about those afterwards, but um, we'll talk about the other signing, which came on July 4th, um, you know, we thought things were done for the day when KD broke the news <laughs> early. And thank you, KD, for getting that out of the way so we can all enjoy our holiday. Um, right. But the, uh, you know, we get the, I see a tweet that says Brandon Jennings is basically has a Statue of Liberty emoji. And I said, wait a second. And I go to Ben's feed and he says something about coming to New York. Um, and then the news started broke one year, five million. Um, I was at Eric and Howie's barbecue up, up in East Chester, by the way. Shout out to those guys. Um, so <laughs> they, um, so, <clears throat> so the news breaks, and I think right away everybody loves it because it's a bargain. 
Um, but when you have also, if you remember the history of Brandon Jennings, like he really wanted to be, he really wanted the Knicks to draft him when they didn't draft him, even if he wasn't having a great season, he still took it upon himself to kill us every time he played us. Um, and you know, the thing, Brandon Jennings has flaws in his game, but coming off the bench where he's pretty much free to run his own unit and chuck it, it's kind of the perfect in a contract year. I don't know if you can get a better situation with Brandon Jennings. No, I mean, and, and you hit it with, on the head. Specifically with Brandon Jennings, not overall. <laughs> well, you, you can have a situation where he's coming out with Courtney Lee. Again, Derek Rose could come in, could come out a little bit early to rest so he doesn't play 35 minutes. He could come in, slot himself next to Courtney Lee. You can, that's when you move Lance Thomas in. So there you're, you're protected. You got Courtney Lee, you got Lance Thomas, two terrific perimeter defenders. And then at the 4-5, you could have Carmelo and Porzingis uh, playing alongside you, or you could be playing with, you know, one one or two of the bench guys. So that, again, is you hit it on the head. Jennings going to be able to do what he does best, which is basically score and and have two real threats in Carmelo and Porzingis to help take some of the pressure off of him. Again, surrounded by perimeter defenders. And the perfect spot for him. Just kind of kind – of makes me think like he could almost be like a smaller Jamal Crawford type, um, you know, he's right. playing both guard positions and such um, for, for us. But in, and like I said, another guy who's just really hype and excited uh, to be here. Um, if any of you fans caught the Photoshop um, joke on Twitter, it was pretty funny that when Brandon Jennings was going through free agency, um, somebody sent him a really bad Photoshop of him in a Kings jersey, and he was like, "Are you kidding me, man? That Photoshop is horrible." <laughs> and yeah, so no, I saw that. A couple of days later, fast forward a couple of days later, when he announced that he was going to be wearing number three for the Knicks, a number with some history, um, mm-hmm. they sent him the same. Well, he put up the same Photoshop, but this time, the same really bad Photoshop, but this time with a Knicks jersey. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and then that, I think uh, uh, Bleacher Report that made it better for him. I think Bleacher Report did a good job. Did you yeah, see they the, gave him the, like the a, yeah, one? they gave him like an, an updated one. But you know what, what came out is that Brandon Jennings spoke to Phil while Phil was in Orlando. They spoke over Skype. They had never met or spoken before. Um, sound like things went well because you know Phil was sold. This Brandon wanted to 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 come to New York to he wanted the spotlight to prove himself to the NBA. I mean, these, these are apparently his words. And, um, you know, if Sam, I would guess if it was like, okay, cool, as long as you don't get into our 2017 cap space, we have a spot for you. Right. And uh, they gave him and they gave him one year, $5 million. Now, I just want to say, like, Brandon Jennings, like I said, previously when I was healthy, he had flaws in his games. There's a lot you did like about him. Um, there's a lot knock as well in some of the games. But he's definitely a competitor. Um, even though he couldn't back it up in Milwaukee, but he had no problem, you know, barking at those Miami teams. But, you know, I just want mm-hmm. to point out before we get like super, super excited that Brandon Jennings is coming off one of the most devastating injuries in sports. Yeah. And pretty much the only thing right. he has on his side is, is that his age. It's the same injury that Kobe Bryant had. And we saw what was left to Kobe mm-hmm. afterwards. But like I said, Brandon Jennings is about 10 years younger than Kobe. So, Hopefully, if yeah. better. but his numbers at the end of last year, um, I think I read somebody say today that it kind of takes a full year to see if somebody's recovered from um, a full season, right. to see if somebody's recovered, how they've recovered from Achilles, and he's had like 30 something games. So, you know, hopefully yeah. he makes it through and has a good year from us. But, you know, looking at our roster, 
I think we need a third point guard. Yeah, I mean, I think there, you have two things. I, I, summer league's been half and half. I mean, terrible and somewhat good. But you know who's really stood out to me is this uh, Chase on Randall kid. I mean, Ron Baker looks good too, but I don't know if he's a point guard. He might be better off as a shooting guard. But, uh, but yeah, this Randall kid has been unbelievable. Ron is Tim, definitely Tim not Stanford. a point guard. Yeah, Ron's not a point guard. But this Randall kid has been automatic from all. He does everything. Rebounds steal the basketball. He's been he's been really impressive to me and I know the Knicks wrapped up Marshall Plumlee to a three year deal earlier today, but I'm really interested to find out if that's where they're going. Two names for a backup point card that kind of stand out to me. I know the Knicks were interested in Randy Foy per reports, but the other one that I thought is a ideal fit, not a very explosive guy, but one of the best defensive point guards statistically and he has experience playing under Jeff Horn second Phoenix is Ronnie Price. I, this is, I, his name hasn't been mentioned in any reports, but it's just someone that I thought could, could, could you know, steady the ship, has experience with Horn II, is a very, very good defender. Those are just two names because, obviously, the Knicks have nothing more but vet minimum deals unless they figure out a way to trade Kahlo Quinn for um, a backup point guard. And, honestly, I imagine that's what they're – you know, there's been reports today – um, I think Tommy D had said that they're shopping on Quinn, and it makes sense because when you look at that, I'm looking at the Knicks roster now. It, it is it's big heavy. It's front court, and like I said, if 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 Rose has to miss a game here and there, and Brandon Jennings gets hurt for long term, or vice versa, like you're you're really thin because Lance Galloway um, is now a Pelican, and not that Lance. Uh, that's Lance. Sorry, I said, I'm looking at Lance Thomas, and I said Lance Galloway. Um, Lance Galloway is now a Pelican. Um, Right, you know, not that Langston's a true point guard, but he could obviously do spot. You know, we could fill in there. Um, so I do think yeah. the Knicks are trying to. I would my it would be my guess that the Knicks are trying to trade Oakland to get space to basically acquire another guard. Um, Tim Frazier. Tim Frazier's the guy I would want. Tim Frazier's the guy. I'd he's restricted. Guy I would want. He's restricted though, right? But I think because they signed Galloway, they have to use their cap space to match. Unless it's a two point eight million dollar deal, so they have their room exception. So they could give them 2.8 mil, but if they want to give them any more than that, they can't. Um, but I think uh, he's Sean, probably going to get more the, than that. You brought up the room exception. Tell, tell I did. I what a segue, right? <laughs> yeah. The room exception um, are for teams that, uh, you know, don't have uh, – aren't over the cap. Um, so it allows them to use one salary up to $2.8 million to sign any player they want and go up over the cap for that amount. And the Knicks used their room exception this year on a guy whose name I can't pronounce, and I think Chris is going to try to pronounce it right now. <laughs> Mandingus Ma- <laughs> Kuzminskis. Mandingus I, I don't have the first name. No. I don't, no, have, the, not, I don't have the not. the first name in front of me. Um, hold on. I, I'll get it out there. The, it's the Kuz, uh, Mr. Kuzminskis. That's how you could – that's his last name. I call him the Coos. You could also call him Mind Dog. I guess some people call him Mind Dog on, on Twitter. But Mendogus. Uh, there it was. Mendogus. There it is. Uh, well done. Very impressive. Take Good that, job. Breen. So, yeah, he's a 6'9 kid who played at Sevilla, or is a Lithuanian, played on the Lithuanian national team. In 2014, played really well against the USA basketball team. 6'9, long arms, smooth, smooth jump shot, shot, shot 37.5% from three last year. And if you watch his videos, I mean, the guy um, drives to the rim and dunks on people like 
I mean, he's pretty friggin' aggressive. Reminds me of a Derek Williams um, in the sense of the role that he might be able to play, a guy that might most of the time will play some three, but he, he likes to run the floor. He, he could handle the ball in transition. He could finish with authority. Um, and he's actually a better three-point shooter than Derek Williams. So I think the Knicks probably found out Williams was going to be out of their price range and then thought, thought okay, let's take a look at this other option. And he's only, it's only on a two-year deal. So um, he's going to be an interesting guy. What, what are your thoughts on him? One, is, I think that was one thing that completely floored everybody. It came from out of the blue. Um, a little bittersweet because I think we knew that the signing meant it was goodbye Derek Williams. Um, and I kind of felt bad because this is a guy who wanted to be here and, you know, we've obviously taken to him. And how ironic is last year, that was my least favorite film move. I was the only film move I've really <laughs> criticized probably. Yeah. And here I am. This is the guy I wanted back. Um, so that's what I get yeah. for, uh, that's what I get for questioning. But, um, but yeah, no, Mindaugas, I've, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend I, I know him more scout on, but I've watching video over the, the past few days, and all is good until you get to the video of his defense. Um, he's not known for it. Um, you know, Fran Fraschilla said he will give you effort, but you know, he was the spot up. If there's a spot up video on YouTube that Nick fans are going to hate, <laughs> like nothing else is going to matter after uh, you know after they see this spot up D video. So hopefully he comes in and surprises us like um, like KP did. But you know people have already asked me you know is this can we should we be KP excited about him? No, no, absolutely not. This no, is, no. Um, you know, KP is is a phenom. Um, you know, Mendoza seems like he's been a nice player who's worked his way up in in Europe and you know. ACB is probably the second recognizes the second toughest level of competition after the the NBA. Um, But, you know, watching his team USA highlights of him playing as team USA and Herring, I I noticed myself and Herring tweeted it too. It was like, you can't almost can't not sure whether or not he's good or whether or not you can be excited because Harden was defending him. If you want to call it defending. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, you know, is he just taking advantage of, you know, Harden, or, you know, can he play against these guys? And, you know, it seems like he definitely has offensive skills. You know who he reminded me of, and it's funny because an article came out that might give him to him, is he definitely has, looks like he has some Danilo Gallinari in him, especially the way he uh, mm. goes to the basket. Uh, definitely, I don't think he has Danilo's stroke. Um, I think, you know, before no. last year, he was he was like 30% from three. So, you know, really no. But, you know, he definitely looks like a guy who can put up some buckets off the bench and, and, you know, your prototypical small forward. And, you know, anytime you get one of those guys from Europe there, you know, they 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 play a little bit differently over there, a, a little bit more uh, manly, if you will. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. a lot of right. stuff that, that goes on. So you wonder if, you know, if you watch Liberia in, in Summer League, you'll see some of that. Um, so you'll see, uh, we'll see how much of that um, he brings to the NBA with him. But, you know, yeah. let's just remember the knock on European stuff. What is Sean? What's the knock on Europeans? Oh, they're soft. European basketball players. Exactly. Yeah. So, so and he's KP, and KP's not the norm. KP's the the one who set out to prove differently. So just because mm-hmm. KP wasn't soft doesn't mean that you know now every Euro that comes after him is is you know is going to be the same. We we just got to yeah. see how it goes. It's two years, six million. So. Yeah, and I've read a couple of articles that talked about you know that we need to keep in mind that the second best league is the Spanish league. And so, you know, KP and now Hernan Gomez and um, Kuzminski, Kuzminskis, 
um, the Coons, they all played in the Spanish League last year. So um, the year before they changed. So you know what? That's probably an encouraging sign for the for the two for our two Euro guys. Um, before I go to the next guy, I want to remind everyone you guys are listening to the NYK Exchange podcast presented by NYKinformation.com. So, yeah, let's get to Willie, our second-round pick last year, 6'11", big guy, played for Real Madrid in Spain in limited minutes. The year before that, he played at Sevilla where he played a little bit more. He, he and Porzingis, not only best of friends, but they shared the front court together at Sevilla, played, both played about 20, 25 minutes a game there. This guy is a rebounding machine, averages about 11 rebounds per 36 minutes, 20 points per 36 minutes, shoots around 65 to 70% from the field, very, very skilled in the post, very skilled interior passer. His weakness is his footwork, guarding the pick and roll. That's something that he's going to need help on, especially in the NBA. But the kid is still very young. I think he's only 21 or 22, and, um, and he's great friends with KP. So uh, what do you think about Hernan Gomez? Well, I'm excited for for Willie coming over here since we drafted him last year. Um, he, you know, he uh, it'll be interesting to see um, you know, how he comes along. I do think he will get. I do think he will get playing time, and I think if he does well, then obviously he'll he'll get more. I mean, hey, that's Magic Johnson tweet. But um, no, the uh, no Hernan Gomez is. Uh, you know, when they talk about one thing that comes to mind is just like you mentioned that him and KP shared the. The, the front court in in Spain. Um, one thing you talk about when you talk about winning, the Knicks definitely made some moves that will win now, but that is definitely a move for now and the future because not only is Hernan Gomez be your backup center, but you know he could be, you know he could be somebody that's you know uh, complements KP down the line, you know in a in a bigger role. Um, you know, mm-hmm. for people who aren't familiar with Willie's game, you know Phil Jackson kind of compared him to a better Luis Scola. Um, no, certainly yeah. better defensively. So, um, so no, I'm, I'm I'm excited about Wooly. And one thing about um, you know, uh, Kuzminskis, because yeah, Kuzminskis, Kuzminskis. You know, I want to see if he wants to, if, if Phil just. Uh, what is it with with Phil lately in the shaggy blondes, man? Like, is he just going to put like all a bunch of shaggy blondes out there to confuse the opposition? Um, but you know, not Probably. not taking anything away from these dudes because I'm a big fan of, um, or I've become a big fan recently of Ron Baker. Um, watching him play in the summer league, the first two games, he's been playing out of position because the Knicks didn't have a point guard. Uh, well, he played the first two games out of position because the Knicks didn't have a point guard. But once Randall came over, and once Randall played, and he moved over to his natural two guard, um, he's been putting up some pretty gaudy numbers. Yeah. And the kid just does everything right. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's summer league. I get it. The competition is, is not there. But if you watch it, he, he just always seems to be making uh, the right play. Other than, I mean, obviously some, obviously there's some um, greenness to him, but <clears throat> certainly the effort and, and the IQ seems to be there. Well, and that's something, yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to bring that. I think that's definitely valuable on this team. And, again, someone that we could – keep for the future that could just if, if he just ends up being a Della Vadova type backup point guard um, then that's fine with me I, I don't have any problem with that at all the kid is undrafted Good if he kid. makes your rotation if he makes your team it's a win if he makes your rotation it's amazing you know what I mean so sure it's you know that's just yeah just where, I was just where shocked I think he's 
He started, what, 0 for 9 in the first summer league game, and he was not, he's not like a knockdown shooter. And if you watch the game, the form was there. He, I don't know. He just wasn't knocking it down. And then, I mean, uh, you be, know what happened? Could be jitters, too. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, the jitters. But then I think playing, but going back to his more natural position, but also playing with a guy like Randall who lit it up and was able to, you know, he went, Randall went 6 and 9 from 3 in his first game, the third summer league game overall. So he and Baker, to me, had a lot of they had great chemistry when I watched them playing out there together. So um, I'm, I'm sure the Knicks staff will look at that moving forward and, I don't know, at least offer Randall a training camp invite, a partial guarantee, um, and see, you know, see what they can do in training camp. Because I, I, I agree with you. The Knicks need to make have about three or four guys that are going to be splitting time, or at least two guys that are splitting time between D-League and, and, and the big club. Um, which brings up, if you want to segue, unless you want to make another point about Baker, but it brings up a point about Marshall Plumley. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, let's go right to it. Um, yeah. You know, if you watch, you watch the clips on him, he was just somebody you always – even before Summer League started when they were showing those Summer League practice videos, you know, he was very active. Obviously, nice, uh, nice size NBA body. He's got the pedigree. Um, you know, he obviously impressed the Knicks because he went from – partial guarantee to a full year. And I think that also gave them, gives them the security now to shop Bill Quinn. Um, because if you're looking at, you know, just looking at a center depth chart, you know, you have Noah, you have Porzingis who can play there. You have Willie who's a center and, um, you know, O'Quinn and Plumley. So that's kind of deep where, you know, we mentioned earlier how thin the point guard was, especially without Galloway. So I think that's, yeah. I think that's the um, the motive behind that. And, you know, he can, you know, again, we're going to talk about a guy who's not going to, he's not going to play, but, you know, I, I liked, I liked the effort I saw at him. And one thing I didn't know, he's going to the army after this. Um, yeah. He's right. got a commitment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to play basketball first and then he's going to the army. So that's, it's uh, uh, pretty interesting. Um, pretty cool. Now, um, so just so just to review, so if we're looking at our starting lineup, I think it's well now it's well discussed. We've seen enough Instagram pictures for it. It's Rose, Lee, Mello, Porzingis, and Noah. Now, if you were just just going to grab a starting uh, a bench, a traditional bench five out of what's left, um, is uh-huh. Brandon Jennings, point guard, Justin Holiday, shooting guard, who Jeff Hornacek has repeatedly said was not a throw-in. Um, they uh-huh. they like him. He can hit a, he can hit the three. He can certainly hit the yep. three. Um, he's got length. He can defend a little. So, you know, you'll see someone as a backup shooting guard. Lance Thomas, we have not discussed yet, but Lance came back on a deal. And then you got mm-hmm. um, Kuzminkis, if you want to play him as a stretch four. Um, and then you have Hernan Gomez as well. And then, like you said, we don't know what's going to happen at the end of it. But Plumlee will be here. We're not sure about Baker. And O'Quinn is on the roster for now. Um, but Lance had a great article in the – um, in the Players' Tribune that he wrote himself about his experience in mm-hmm. the NBA. And just to um, summarize it for everybody, he's basically talking about his life. has been, you know, him trying to make the dream, his dream come true of playing in the NBA. And it's just nothing been, you know, but a series of 10-day contracts. So he kind of lives out of a duffel bag and he always has the duffel bag packed. So it was nice mm-hmm. to read like a day later that he's now signed a long-term contract with the Knicks. Um, they did mm-hmm. use his early bird rights to do so. Uh, it's about $6 million a year. But Lance, um, you know, there was another article came out about Lance, uh, about a game 
Knicks played at the Smoothie King Center. Um, there's a guy who I guess um, blogs, sits, sits behind the visitor bench and blogs about every team that comes to play the Pelicans. And yeah. one thing that he was stood out to him with Lance Thomas is I don't know who it was, but basically Lance Thomas was getting on them for laughing because he was like, you know, we're losing, right? And the other person, mm-hmm. I guess the, the player said so, the unidentified player said something, and Lance just reiterated again, he's like, you know we're losing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, wow. you want you want guys like that. Um, clearly, yeah. I don't think any Nick fan hears that and doesn't say, yeah. So um, maybe you combine that with a guy like Noah, and just think about, like, what do you think right now? So let's play, let's play with the depth chart. What do you think our best defensive lineup is? Um, our best defensive lineup is Noah KP. <laughs> well, I, you, you can't. You got to pick Lance or, or Carmelo. Defensively, yeah, it's kind of oh man, it's hard now. You got me. I mean, you, gotta, um, yeah, you can go with Lance. I, you can go with Lance over Melo. I mean, Melo's played play, play better defense. And obviously, I guess if, if it's LeBron, then yeah, I want Melo guarding him. But you know, yeah. Lance is certainly known for his defense, so we can say that. Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean. But then you got Holiday and your point We don't have a defensive point guard, really. I mean, we don't. Jennings and Rose are not known for their defense. But uh, that's where I think the importance of being able to play, um, you know, Lee and Lance together with Carmelo at the four and Porzingis at the five. I think that might end up being a really strong lineup at the end, or with Jennings at the point guard. Um, that really is going to pay off in terms of like you know transitioning to the bench. So um, what about you know, late third quarters, late what, first quarter, third quarters. What about this? And I'm just riffing off the top of my head. Yeah, here. go for it. What about a Courtney Lee, Justin Holiday, Lance Thomas, Porzingis, <laughs> Noah lineup, where Noah is where either yeah, where Noah's the primary ball handler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. you get to say Mello's, you can switch wow. Lance out for Melo, and Melo be the primary ball handler. Um, but yeah. then you have, like, a league defending their team's point guard. But I think one thing is going to be way different than what we're used to the last three years is that, you know, we don't have to compensate for our starting point guard anymore. No offense to Jose. I appreciate what he did bring here. But, sure. you know, there was just nights that he's just clearly overmatched physically. And that's not mm-hmm. going to be the case with Derrick Rose. He may not be good enough defensively to stop some of these players, and some of these players are just too good to be stopped, to be honest. But he's going to be mm-hmm. right there with them step for step. Yeah. Well, just like speed that is, not is going to be an improvement. That Just that is going to be an improvement. I mean, it's kind of the reason why, I, I mean, I was very disappointed in us losing Langston Galloway because I thought he could be that combo guard that could defend and knock down the three, and he knows the system. I really wanted to keep him. Obviously, we didn't keep them because the Knicks wanted to maintain that max cap space. They believe that a maximum player wants to come play for the Knicks next year, whoever that might be, or they want to keep the space for Rose. One way or the other, the Knicks think that they're going to be able to to make a big move next summer. So if it meant having to trade guys to do it, um, you know, the only guys that are really tradable would be, to me, would be be Lance Thomas or, or... or what's his name, or Kyle O'Quinn or Courtney Lee. And I don't want to lose last time as Courtney Lee because I think we really need those guys. So um, so my point is that that's what I think the Knicks are really needing the most, a guy that could be uh, both, you know, a, a two-way player at the guard slot. And I think that, yeah, like you said, Jeff Hornacek really believes Justin Holiday can be that. I mean, he definitely has a physical tool. So, uh, And Jeff Hornacek is known for actually getting the most out of his players. 
So um, I could see I mean, him could having a very go, good season. I mean, you could also go, like, say, Rose, um, Lee, Holiday, Lance, Noah. I mean, sure. that's that's another it's another yeah. defensive lineup you can use. Um, just uh, I mean, as long as Rose and Carmelo, as long as Rose and Carmelo are average, you I think Porzingis is, is an above average defender. Noah, if he's healthy, will be an above average defender, and Lee's an above average defender. As long as you have three guys that are above average defenders, um, and Carmelo plays the last like defense the way he has the past two seasons, which has been at an NBA average, I think the Knicks are going to be fine. I think they they could I mean, honestly, if all healthy. Uh, they they could be a top. All they need to be to need is a top fifteen defense, not even top ten, because I think their offense with Hornacek is going to be very very interesting. I mean, part of the accordingly uh, comment. One of the comments he made in the interview is he said that uh, Phil is going to let Coach Hornacek have the say and be able to do what he wants to do. Phil may have some input, and we talked about the triangle bit, but I don't think Phil is going to stress it too much. So uh, well, you're going to see a lot of creativity. But let's keep it 100 here, too. Like, Phil did the same with Derek Fisher. It's just Derek Fisher, you know, I guess when it didn't work for Derek Fisher and Phil sent him an email and Derek didn't listen, that's when it became a problem. Because Phil let him rock. It was when the Knicks, it was when the Knicks started losing that Phil was like, hey, you might want to tweak a few things. Um, so, uh, but they already seem to have a good working relationship Um you know, we see them both at the summer league. Um, it was cool watching KP sit next to Pornishek for a full for a full game and have them talk. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't think you know. No, besides having two bigs that can switch out onto smaller mm-hmm. players, and Noah and Porzingis yeah. can both do that. You know, like I said, no offense to Robin Lopez, but that's not something he can do. Um, you know. It, you're really your two weaker your two weaker defenders are Rose and Melo, who are still all NBA guys. So you're sacrifice. So they're not all defensive players, but so you're sacrificing the defense there for two, you know, very good offensive players. So it's a nice mix, it's a nice balance. Uh, I'm excited. I still think the bench needs some some tweaking, but I'd be very surprised. I'd be like, I don't think there's any. I can be, like, I don't think there's. It'd have to be a a devastating amount of injuries, I think, for the Knicks not to make the playoffs next year. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's really what the Knicks needed to do. Phil Jackson understands it. Get the Knicks to the playoffs. Again, you'll be able to get some consideration from major free agents next summer, or you do really well, you continue to roll with what you got, and you give KP the ability to be part of a winning culture, get the feeling of what it's like to truly win in New York, be in a playoff series, and then in four years, you know, Porzingis will be 24 years old. It'll no doubt be his team. He's going to have learned from, you know, professional players. And little by little, we'll have every single draft pick for the next, you know, five years of every first-round draft pick. We have two second-round draft picks next year coming from Houston and Chicago. I was feeling both of those teams are not playoff-bound. I know on paper, Rondo and Wade sound interesting, but that sounds like a – uh, I feel like that sounds very explosive to me, so I'm not going to go ahead and call them a playoff team. So with but that, I think the East, you know, is, good. I the think the East is much improved. The East is much improved, and it's going to be, you know, there's a lot of, I think a lot of teams got better, whether it's Indiana or Orlando. Um, so I think, you know, Detroit will be certainly better than they were last year. 
Um, right. They came out at the end of last year. So, um, you know, the Knicks have to worry about their division and are they the best team in the division? I'm so looking forward to Knicks Celtics games. I cannot tell you. Um, I can't wait then, too. I no, can't wait. I I can't wait. <laughs> the Knicks Celtics games. Are I can't wait. A lot of fun. Um, but you know, it's uh, so it'd be interesting to see. But you, you said something. You said two things. I wanted to. Um, talk about one is that yeah clearly you want to make this an attractive destination to the 2017 free agent class you want to be a playoff team a team that's winning because as we seen for ourselves and around the league i mean look at the lakers man nobody wants to go there like the draw that's the yeah. that is one of the greatest franchises in sports they have a history of you know a deep deep history of winning you can't get really much better than living in la and nobody wants to go there because for the today's NBA player, it's all about winning. We see it with KD. So you want to put, you want to put, you want to be able to talk to the free agent class and have them perceive, uh, basically envision themselves as being the missing piece to a Knicks championship, the first which would be in 44 years, I think, um, come at the end of next season. Um, but you mentioned something that as that I haven't heard mentioned, but it's so so um, understated is that show KP how to win in the NBA. And not that Porzingis is not a winner, but he was on losing teams in Europe. He had a losing first season in New York. He really didn't play much, um, you know, uh, on this team that did better uh, in, in Europe. So let him be in a winning culture and a winning environment because as these years where he's developed, like, yes, KP is part of, you know, core right now, but at some point down the line, this is going to be your, your leader. You know, this is going to uh-huh. be, you know, this, this is, so you don't want to him to have two, three years of losing in the league, you know, and now you're asking him to take on a big role, you know, yeah. him, you know, learn how to win with guys who've been there before and let it rub off on him. And then eventually down the road, years down the road, he'd be able to instill that to others. One more thing when you were talking about, it reminded me now, what does this do for Carmelo Anthony? Has he ever played on a team as talented as this roster that we're going to have next year? And how can Derek Rose, Porzingis in his sophomore year, Noah passing the ball, Corny Lee, a knockdown shooter. I mean, I don't think Carmelo has ever played with a lineup like this. It's healthy. What do you think this could do for Carmelo on the court? And um, he, had a, he had a lot of talented Denver teams, but I also say this: it's also like we're talking about a different Carmelo. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call him. Um, I'm just gonna use posting and toasting's term. We'll call him Dad Mellow because Dad Mellow, yeah, kind of the player. Dad Mello is like who he is right now. I was thinking like, you know, Dad Mello's got a few more people to like put under his uh, his wing next year. You know, um, with the with the guys like you know with the younger guys coming over here, but he's uh he's I think it's going to be great for him. I think it takes the load off. I think Carmelo, as we've seen in international play, is best when he doesn't feel the burden that he has to do it all himself. And you know mm-hmm. he averaged a career high was at 4.4 assists last year, and to be honest, mm-hmm. his teammates shot a little bit better. Probably would have been closer to five or six. Um, yeah, you could probably count at least two assists per game that he missed because of that minutes of shot. So, you know, better, you know, better talent around him is only going to improve that. So I'm sure he's hyped, and I'm I just I don't know what it is now that he now that we've 
assembled a team. Now I get nervous about Rio. Before I didn't care. I was like, you know, oh, it's Rio and his best years have been, you know, coming off of the Olympic years. Now I'm worried about him playing in 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 Rio because you just want him to be good for the entire year. You know, you just don't want any lingering injuries. But you know, I trust I trust the man. Yeah, Nobody well, usually before he plays, right? And I mean, it's been historically whenever he's played for one of the national teams, he usually comes back like gangbusters. So hopefully that happens for him. But um, I think for this Knicks in his Knicks. Uh, time frame and his tenure as a Knicks player, the Knicks star, I really don't see anybody uh, else um, or any lineup that had the ability to shoot like they they, they have now accordingly and uh, and Porzingis surrounding him from the outside, except for that team that won the Atlantic Division 54 wins. I think you're going to see very strong chemistry be built up between the, this team. And I think another thing that's also being understated is I really believe in Jeff Hornacek's intelligence and his ability to do um, to, to come up with something that's going to be very unique offensively in a, in a mixture of – I think we're going to see a lot of Golden State-type movement, uh, a lot of ball movement. Now you have guys that, you know, Mel's a good passer, Noah's a good passer, Porzingis is a solid passer. You know, you're going to see a lot of movement, I think, and it's going to be really interesting to see what the offense looks like. I, it's not going to be basic triangle. It's going to be a little bit of everything, and I think that that's something else that no one's really talking about. It's going to be something we're not used to seeing, too, just by having a Derrick Rose, um, you know, yeah. that little point guard. It's almost like you mentioned Derrick Rose is the best point guard we've had since since well, most how the point guard we've had since since Mark Jackson. I think Steph is probably, even though it didn't work out, Steph, you know, 25 and – Eight is twenty six names, really. But you know, Jennings. I I, I made uh, uh, I said a thing on Twitter. Jennings is almost is the best Knicks guard off the bench, the next point guard off the bench since uh, since Rod Strickland. So, um, yeah. you know, the the the, the, uh, the Jackson Strickland, the, the eighty eight bomb squad, if you will. Um, one uh, one thing you know, I did want to mention when you talk about the. Uh, the East and, and the playoff teams, you know, people are, 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 I think people are laughing at the personalities assembled in Chicago, but I'm, I would not sleep on that team at all. Um, I think they became, become, if, if all of those three players are healthy, if Butler, Wade and Rondo are healthy, you're talking about three guys who, who can defend and you have Robin Lopez, you know, who, you know, we know what he's good for. He so it kind of fits what they have in their court. So, you know, I think the Bulls, uh, you know, will be a problem next year. So I think we can see another Knicks-Bulls uh, rivalry. I mean, how good will that playoff series be? Um, Knicks-Boston is, is other series I'm looking for. I cannot wait to play the Heat uh, and, yep. and the Pacers. So, uh, you know, Knicks-Toronto, I mean, we haven't even talked about, like, Toronto's top two team. How do the Knicks face up with Toronto now? Um, you have Cleveland, <sighs> who got done leaving now. They got better. So you know that those those Knicks Cavs games are going to be lit. There's, you know, there's going to be a, a lot of good teams. Like I mentioned earlier, Detroit. Um, you know, we're curious to see what happens to Atlanta. I think they fall off a little bit, uh, somewhat. Washington, I don't think is going to be there. Um, so, but there's going to be a lot of good teams in the East, and you know, it always takes time to gel too. But like I said, at the end of the day, I think this is a playoff team for once. Not just saying it at the beginning of the year, like, oh, I think we have a playoff team. Like, oh, I think we have a playoff team. We should be a playoff team. And and like Courtney said, no, this is about going for a ring. <laughs> uh, this is about winning big, he said. 
Uh, you know what? Why the hell not? I mean, I, we're not having we're not, just by saying that we're going to try to be the best team in the NBA doesn't mean that we are going to be. And it's truly the type of mentality that our players need to have. And we haven't had it in a long time where, you know what? Forget what everybody says. It's us against the world. We all have a chip on our shoulder. Everybody thinks we can't do it. And we're all playing for a city that everyone laughs at, an organization that everybody laughs at. And uh, they believed in us, and now we're going to come through and, and, and come, back, come through for the fans. And I think that that's a mentality that it seems like is shared throughout the roster. And when that happens, you never know what could happen. Um, so it's just fun to, to have a team that, to me, a group of players that all want to be here and, and are all going to be playing for, well, for the name on the front of their chest. I'm gonna I'm gonna run through the roster real quick and just just to run through just to elaborate real quick on what you're saying. I know we're running out of time here, but Rose chip on his shoulder, something to prove. Lee, not so much. Mello, definitely something to prove. Porzingis, something to prove. Noah, something to prove. Jennings, something to prove. Holiday wants to prove he belongs to the NBA. Lance wants to justify his contract. Kuzminskis wants to prove that he belongs here. Hernan Gomez wants to prove that he belongs here. Mason Plumley mm-hmm. wants to, Marshall Plumley wants to prove he belongs to the NBA. Ron Baker wants to prove that he belongs to the NBA. The entire roster is hungry. So, you know, from that standpoint, I'm feeling very good. And I'm certainly a thrill to know what Phil Jackson's assembled. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, like that that's how we should wrap up the show. We'll probably do another show next week, a call-in show. Um, but, yeah, you got me pumped up. I just don't want to have to wait until October for the first training camp game. But everybody can tune into MSG tomorrow for the press conference uh, where Noah Lee and Brandon Jennings will be, uh, you know, taking questions from reporters. So that should be really fun. And you can follow all the action on Twitter at nykinformation.com, at the website, nykinformation.com. Go follow myself, Sean, at sarkino34. Follow Chris at Del Blago. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. Uh, any parting remarks, Chris, before we head out? Uh, just shout-out to everybody that's been listening and all the support on Twitter. You guys are awesome. Um, you know, thank you very much. And we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely have a lot more to talk about soon. Yeah, thanks so much, everybody. To all the 20-plus writers on mykinformation.com, the site. Yes, shout out to you guys. I mean, you guys make the site is, yeah, it's the site, I think, thousands of of hits um, on a daily basis. We had like 600 people listen to the podcast last week. So uh, just thank you guys so much for the support. It means a lot. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Good night. For the fans, by the fans. Peace.